Um, welcome to our uh, Good Friday service, um, where this will be a little more solemn than what we normally do for worship services. And, and um, this evening we're going to be looking at uh, the seven things Jesus said during the crucifixion, during the, the six hours that he hung on the cross. Um, and we're actually going to start um, where Jesus started. Um, as, as they were crucifying him, as they were um, nailing him to the cross, they're literally like driving nails through his hands and through his feet. Um, Jesus takes a moment to say, to pray, um, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Um, and as he's saying this, the, the soldiers begin gambling over his clothing. Um, the creator of the universe has, has, you know, him through, through him, you know, everything that exists was created. He's, he's been nailed to a piece of wood and he hangs there helpless or willingly helpless. And, and, um, and his very clothing is being gambled over. Um, it's a interesting moment because if you jump forward to the book of Acts, um, Peter preaches the first sermon on Pentecost and he, he says repeatedly, he refers to the folks as well, you know, the, the, the man you crucified and then 3000 were converted. Um, and so even as Jesus like, like submitted himself to death, um, he knew that some of the folks who were killing him and crying out for his crucifixion would be folks who would turn to him in the long run, um, which is a powerful thing, isn't it? Um, knowing that, that the folks who hate you now, like are the people you're dying for. And actually it just goes beyond that because it's easy to be sanctimonious and say, well, these guys, they were pretty bad. They shouldn't have crucified Jesus. Um, but every one of us, like when we sin, when we rebel, when we seek after our own interests, when we, um, mistreat our neighbor when we love stuff more than we love Jesus like when we do everything that we do that offends God like in our actions in our heart in our spirit um, we're calling out for that same crucifixion um, before we came to know Jesus we were all enemies of God um, and so Jesus as he's saying father forgive them he's praying for us as as much as he's praying for, for the folks around him who are killing him. Um, as we go forward, we're going to look at all of the things he said, and, and there's a lot of content here. There's a lot of important stuff, but, like, understand um, at the very heart of it, as the world was doing its worst to him, um, he'd been whipped, he'd been beaten, he'd been betrayed, his friends had disavowed him, his closest friend had cussed out a little girl saying, I don't know that guy. Like, at the very lowest and darkest moment, he still had that forgiveness, that desire to save us. Um, as we worship today, um, I want you to bring your heart and your mind into a place where, like, you're recognizing, you know, we're not just remembering Jesus dying. We're remembering Jesus dying for you. Um, we're remembering Jesus providing a way for you to be saved, a way for you to be reconciled with God. Let's, let's sing and worship. We'll start with amazing love. <clears throat>
that you, my King, would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you in all I do. As, uh, as Jesus was hanging on the cross, as he was, as he was um, um, dying for our sins, on either side of him were thieves, which is kind of a, a, almost a fitting end. Like if you look at what happened um, and what was going on, like Jesus was dying for our sins. He was put in, like cast amongst the sinners, like he was counted amongst the sinners. It's one of the prophecies we see in the Old Testament. And so he's there, and he's on either side of him, he's got these thieves, these, these men who had had committed enough crimes to merit their own crucifixion. And um, one of them turns to him, and he, he honestly, i got to say, like it's one of the most comforting passages in the Scripture, which is weird um, that I would say that, I think. But like, um, the reason I say that is this is a man who, in his death throes, turns to Jesus and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Um, now, mind you, he's not saying, hey, save me, Right? He's not saying, hey, forgive me. He's not saying, hey, you know, he's not, he didn't have a list of demands. He's not approaching Santa Claus or, or you know, some spiritual vending machine. He's just remember me because um, it's honestly it's the best this guy could hope for. And so as he hangs there dying and he says, remember me, um, Jesus turns to him and says, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Um, First off, today, right? No waiting. No, hey, once you're done paying off your sins in purgatory and hell or whatever, like we're going to cast you off for a few years and then you can come to me. He assures him today, this is the day you are coming. You know, you'll be with me in paradise today. And then it's fantastic, right? Like, because this guy, I mean, tied down, right? Nailed down, probably whipped, definitely bleeding to death. Um, in a few hours, they'll come along and they'll break his legs. They'll go into shock and he'll die. He is doing nothing for Jesus, right? He is doing nothing. He is not going to go out and earn his salvation. And, like, it's crazy because sometimes you can, in my own mind, I do this. Um, and I don't know if any of y'all do this. Sometimes we get it in our heads that I, I, you know, God is lucky to have me, right? Man, God is lucky that I, he's got such an awesome preacher, 
Um, God is lucky that he's got somebody who's so willing to work hard or so willing to give my money away or so willing to do this or so willing to do that. At the end of the day, man, this guy, he got nothing, right? Even if he wanted to, he couldn't earn it. Even if he wanted to, he couldn't, he couldn't go out and do the work that some people think they need to do. Um, this is a man who, I mean, he's almost, almost like assurance that grace is enough, right? Jesus loves me enough that, like, believe in your mouth and confess with your heart. No, I'm sorry, got that backwards. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Like, this is, this is proof of it in the moment. Um, he's doing nothing to earn it. He's dying. And in the very last breaths, he's able to say, remember me, and it's enough that it saved him. Now, there's another little bit here that's funny, um, and it's something that you can miss pretty easily because, like, you've got the different gospel writers, and they have different, you know, um, eye views and stuff. And Luke tells us this, but Matthew gives us something a little different. When they're first crucified, um, the robbers both initially reviled him. This is actually not a quote from Matthew. My wife took my line and put it in. I should have checked it. I'm sorry. Um, but both of them initially reviled him. Like they were hanging there and both robbers mocked him. Like out of the gate, both, both of the men who were crucified made fun of him. In fact, Matthew lists it off that the soldiers mocked him, that the passersby mocked him, that the priests mocked him, that everybody, then the thieves on either side of him, both of them mocked him. So this man who was dying and like an hour maybe, half an hour, who even knows, later asks for forgiveness and is given to it. I mean, like the lengths that God will go despite our brokenness, despite our, honestly, our, our crumminess, right? Um, it's astounding. The, the mercy and the grace that Jesus displays, just as he's hanging there dying on the cross, um, the love he has for us individually, it's no different for this thief than it is for any one of us, right? All of us. Um, can't earn it, don't deserve it, um, but God still has mercy on us. Let's continue to worship and sing. Spain. 
died, my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat, as Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, sin that left the crimson stain, he washed it white as be honest up front. This is the uh, passage I was dreading talking about because it's kind of the hardest one. Um, as, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, he sees his mother and his disciple, who, whom he loved. This is John, right? Um, all of the disciples abandoned Jesus at the garden, except um, after they ran away, John and Peter went to the trial. Peter denies Jesus three times and runs away and, and like cries bitterly and and hides himself in shame, whereas John follows Jesus to the cross, right? So John stands at the at the foot of the cross next to next to Mary, like Jesus' mother, and, and watches the Lord die. Now, interesting, just as a side note, John is the only one of the disciples who died of natural causes. Um, and I, I read a great essay a while back that John's willingness to face death was the reason that he he got to he got to die an old man. Um, and I don't know if that's true, but I do know the fact that John was standing there, it earned him a special honor. And it's actually an honor that's not what it seems in the beginning. Watch this. When Jesus saw his mother, he said to the disciple whom he loved, which is John, standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And actually it should say that he says to the disciple, behold your mother and behold your son. And so like he, he basically provides for Mary, right? And there's a lot to this. For starters, um, even as Jesus is dying, um, he recognizes that, that he's got, like, a commandment to follow, right? That's, that's number five there. You know, honor your father and mother. And so he takes care of his mother, right? Um, but taking a step beyond that, um, this is a day for Mary that she knew was coming. Um, if you jump all the way back to Luke chapter 2, um, as... As um, Jesus is being circumcised, they bring him to the temple, 
and they circumcised him because he's eight days old. And this is John, or excuse me, Luke two thirty four to thirty five. We have where Simeon, he's a prophet, he comes up and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed um, and a sword will pierce through your son and your own soul and through, excuse me, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts um, from many hearts may be revealed. And so, like, part of what we get here is, like, Mary shows up, but this is a day she's known is coming for, you know, 30-some-odd years. And she watches. I mean, I couldn't imagine watching my own son die, right? Um, but she stands there, and she watches her son die. And, <clears throat> you know, there's paintings, Gothic paintings, and, and images of this death and this, this misery that Mary would have gone through. And I think Jesus recognized that because he takes care of her in a different way. Um, and it's in a huge way. Watch this. He gives her to John, and John, we learn from his own gospel, takes her into his home, right? John takes her home and takes care of her, and she lives the rest of her life with John. And John, like, like takes care of all her needs and everything else. But, watch this. If you jump forward to Easter Sunday, the first people who saw the empty tomb were a group of women, Mary Magdalene and some other gals, right? And they ran to tell the disciples about the empty tomb, right? Um, so Peter went out with the other disciple, John, this is John 20, um, with the other disciple and they were going forward to the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first and stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloth lying there. And the face cloth that had, which had been on Jesus, on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. He saw and believed. So Jesus, John, right, shows up with Peter. He goes in. He sees. He believes that Jesus is raised from the dead, right, which is good news. It's a huge deal, right? John knows what's happened, right, um, which is good. Um, he saw and believed for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the, de the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. So what does John do? John goes home and tells Mary the good news. So like Mary, who was approached by angels, to be, you know, first one to know the incarnation was going to happen, right? She, she changed Jesus' diaper. She raised him up. She knew that his death was coming. She watched him die. And then John preached the gospel to her, didn't he? That Jesus is raised from the dead. Um, and so is Jesus concerned about his mother? Like, it's sometimes Mary ends up on this pedestal, right? But Mary, as much as any one of us, Mary, as much as any one of us, needed, needed Jesus. We need grace, right? We need forgiveness. And John went and preached the gospel to his mother. You know, even exalted amongst all women, she needed Christ. And Jesus made provision for it. He planned it, and he set it up in advance. He knew the first disciples who would be there, and he took care of his mom, made sure that she would hear about the resurrection. Like, how powerful is that? Let's continue to worship.
say that a man would climb a mountain just to be with the one he loves. How many times has he broken that promise? It has never been done. I never climbed the highest mountain, but I walked the hill of Calvary just to be with you. I do. There's no price I would not pay, no, just to be with you, I give anything, I would give my life away, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard it said that a man would swim the just to be the one he loves. All of those dreams are an empty notion. It can never be done. I never swam the deepest ocean. But I walked upon the raging sea Just to be with you I'd do anything There's no price I would not pay No, just to be with you I'd give anything I would give my Understand the fullness of my love, how I died upon the cross for your sin. And I know you don't realize how much I gave you, and I promise I would do it all again just to be with you. I'd do anything. There's no price I would not pay. No, just to be with you, I'd give anything. I would give my life away. I would give my life away. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. Um, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, to understand this one, we're going to have to back up a couple steps and I'm going to explain a couple things. Um, God is holy, right? 
God is so holy that his holiness is almost like a fire that consumes, right? It's, you, you can't bring dirt, you can't bring uncleanliness into his presence because like his holiness literally just burns it up, right? It purifies. Um, and because of that holiness, um, God has to, has to judge sin first off. Like there's no ignoring it, right? Like holiness goes away when we just sort of turn the other, oh, well, I'm not going to notice that that's wrong, right? I mean, holiness disintegrates then, and God can't do that. And so God has to judge sin. Um, he has to. Um, it's in the very nature of who God is. But at the same time, God is in his very nature love. Like God is loving beyond all words. I mean, beyond our understanding, beyond our ability like to fathom. Like he loves us when we're most unworthy. Um, and so as God is, is in his holiness and in his ultimate example of what love is, like his son dying for us, um, what happens there is it's called propitiation, right? That's a big $10 theology word. But what it means is that all those of us who are followers of Jesus, all those of us who have faith in Christ, when God looks at us, he sees Jesus' righteousness. So today, if you're sitting here, if you're a person who is in Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, God the Father looks at you and he sees Jesus' righteousness, which means that when he looked at Jesus on the cross, what he saw was our wickedness, our sinfulness, our brokenness. And so as Jesus is on the cross, he literally, he's carrying the entire creation, like, like the sins of the world are on him. And the father sees him, pours his wrath out, and then he does another thing that's hard to understand. He turns his back on him, right? Because God can't look at sin. And so Jesus is alone. And I think maybe we as people understand this sometimes. You ever been so like mired in your own like mess and your own wickedness that you felt like you were as alone as you were going to get? And you get big pile of sins that you keep hidden and you hope nobody finds out and you hope God's not really looking because you don't want him to know and you, you just got this mess and, and you're as alone as you're going to be because God is as far off from you as you're going to get. And this is where Jesus is. He's by himself. God has forsaken him. Um, as Jesus was like praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see this in, in, in the Gospels. Jesus is praying for, for the, the, about the thing that comes, like that's coming, this, this arrest, this um, um, torture, and this execution. He's praying about it, and he's so stressed that his skin bleeds. Like he sweats blood. And he's, he's so afraid and so, like, like, I mean, terrified, right? Um, but what he's afraid of isn't the physical death. This is what he's afraid of, like this, this separation from God, right? And this is kind of complicated because he is God, you know, and they are one. But the father turns his face on him, and he's out of, out of communion with the father. This is the man who his entire life spoke of the father constantly. Even going into the cross, he, he talked to the father. Father, for, you know, forgive them. Um, and here he is alone. And experiencing the spiritual anguish that, that comes with separation from God as God pours his wrath out on him. And that judgment is us. Yours, mine, it's ours. We're forgiven because Jesus is it Romans says that, that no one would ever die for an unrighteous man. This is how we know what love is, that, that when we were still sinners, when we were still helpless, 
when we were still like so weak, we were like the, the, the thief on the cross. We couldn't lift our hands up to do a single good thing on our own behalf. You know, even our best acts are like filthy rags before his robes of righteousness. Even when I try hard, I'm bringing dirty rags, right? Like, even when I was in that place, Jesus loved me enough to, to be separated from the Father on my behalf. But how else was that? That was for you. It was for me. It was for anybody who would just turn to him and say, God, I need this. God's holy character and God's love in the same place for you, for me, and to bring him glory.
the suffering that Sonagat experienced on the cross is enormous. And, and a moment ago, I talked about sort of that spiritual suffering that comes with, with separation, with, with, you know, God's turning his face from, from Christ and, and, and the spiritual, like, like death that he suffered in that moment. Um, but there's another side to this. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. So like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me is a cry of spiritual like suffering, right? That's despair. That's, that's alone. That's disconnect from eternity. I mean, that is, that is spiritual death. And it's misery beyond words, beyond physical pain. And now Christ complains, like he offers up this complaint, like as, as a demonstration, basically, I mean, this is, though he's fully God, he's also a man, right? He's fully man. He has two natures. And so he is suffering, and he's thirsty. He expresses, I'm thirsty, I'm, I thirst. Um, but there's another end to this. Jesus knew um, that everything had to happen, right? There were all of these things that had been predicted one by one throughout the ages. Because, like, if you read the scriptures, a thousand years before Jesus was born, the life and death that happened, right, like, like his birth, um, his ministry, and then his, his death, his substitution for us, like taking our penalty, like it echoes through history, right? I mean, it, it echoes through history. We see where, like, his very words in those moments are, are turn up in the, in the Psalms. And some of that is because he's quoting scripture, but scripture is God inspired. So, I mean, it goes the other way, right? Like they are saying the psalmist wrote what Jesus said um, before he said it. And so in this case, it's Psalm 6921. And actually, I'm going to go a little before that. Um, You know my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. My foes are all known to you. Reproaches have broken my heart so that I am in despair which, you know, he cries out in despair just a moment ago, right? I looked for pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food, and my thirst, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. And so Jesus knew that this had to happen, and so as he's hanging there, he says, I'm thirsty, and they take a, a hyssop branch, and they uh, put a sponge on it, and they pour vinegar and gall in the sponge, and they give it to him to drink, um, and, and this is what he's given. Like, this is, um, this is him knowing that this had to happen. But also, like, it's an extension of his shame that he carries, right? Um, he's, he's, he's given just the worst of the worst to drink. Um, this is a man who could have turned bread into, or stone into bread, right? Like, he was tempted by that, by Satan. Like, you know, turn these stone, stones into bread. Turns water into wine as, as his first miracle. He multiplies bread and fish elsewhere. Like Jesus could have done anything he wanted. I mean, when he was arrested, he explained to the disciples, hey, I could call a couple of legions of angels down and we'd make quick work of these temple guards. It wouldn't be a problem. Um, Like physically, Jesus could have provided for his own thirst. Um, But he suffered. And he allowed himself to be fed vinegar. I mean, I don't know. I've been thirsty before, but never quite vinegar thirsty. Um, But he knew it had to happen. Now, there's another end to this, and it's an end that each one of us, I mean, you see it every day all around us, right? This thirst. Um, Most people live with spiritual thirst. I mean, if you watch, it happens, right? People chase after money, or they chase after, you know, the perfect vacation, or the perfect home, 
or the, the, the most possessions or the perfect family moment or, or sex or alcohol or whatever. And people chase after stuff trying to fill this void in our hearts and in our lives, this thirst we have that really is a result of God not being there. You know, we search after things to quench us, but nothing works. Um, on the cross, in that moment as Jesus, as Jesus died for our sins, um, he was providing, like, the ability for us to quench our souls. He was giving us water that would last forever, like we'd never be thirsty again. And it only comes in Christ. You know, we can chase after things, but we'll always end up hungry or thirsty again. We'll always end up empty again, because the only thing that can fill us up is, is God. And that sin and that separation from God makes it impossible. Um, but on the cross, on Good Friday, he provides a way back, a way for us to be in communion with God again, takes our sins away, puts them as far as the east is from the west, and we're able to fill ourselves up and to drink that living water that he provides. His suffering, his physical suffering, his spiritual suffering was for us.
When Jesus had received his sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Um, the word it is finished is, is uh, tetelestai, actually, is the, is the Greek there. And it, it, uh, if you look at the way that it's translated in different versions, like one of the ways that we see it um, in the ancient languages is uh, paid in full, right? Um, the point being that at this point, Jesus, having suffered physically, having, having taken punishment spiritually, like separated from God's spiritual death, um, he comes to a point where all of the prophecies that up until this point have been fulfilled, there are a few more, but they happen like after he's dead, and it's really hard to explain that after you've died, um, which I guess he does, you know, once he's resurrected, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, and so he, he realizes, like, everything is done. I've done everything I'm here to do. From the moment he stepped out of heaven's throne, the throne room, right? surrounded by angels that worshiped him like like for eternity and he stepped into time and into space um, out of his glory and into into almost our world into the womb of a woman um, Jesus had a job to do and over and over again you see in John's gospel he says you know it's not my time yet it's not my time he had a job to do and that job is done he suffered he's taken the punishment he's it's all happened. And at this point in time, he says, it's done. It's, it's done. Our sins are paid in full. Um, the completion of his sufferings has happened. He's mission accomplished moment. Um, honestly, the full character of God has been revealed, right? If you want to know who God is, um, there's no better place to see it than the cross. Because you see his love in full display. Um, and you see his, his holiness in full display and his justice, and his mercy, all of it is in full display. And so we see this, like, completed work of God on the cross. And honestly, the sacrifice is done. Because up until this point, if you look at Jewish history, they would, every year, they'd sacrifice the lamb, right? The, the lamb that would take away the sins of the people for another year. And, and that whole system is done now because Jesus has fulfilled it. Um, and actually, after he dies, what we see um, like the, the, the curtain that would separate the Holy of Holies, the, the, the place where God was manifest on earth um, when he, you know, way back when, um, the curtain that separated it was torn apart and like the Holy of Holies is open to the world. Um, and, and it is finished means that now you and me and anybody else who has faith in Christ can literally walk into God's presence. Um, one day we'll actually do that, Right? Because there will be a day that, that all of us stop breathing and we go to sleep. It's going to happen. But in Christ, we know that because of this death, that's not the end. It's just a, it's a sleeping. Um, and then in eternity, we'll stand in the throne room of God like, like with courage and with confidence, knowing that Jesus paid it all, that it was finished in that moment. Um, there's another thing that happens here, and it's emphasized. This is one saying, and there's one more, and we're going to do both of them back-to-back -back here. 
but he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. John sort of, in, in, you know, like, like a louse says, he gave up his spirit. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit, meaning that Jesus still had enough strength to lift his head up, right? Um, he had enough strength to cry out. Um, he had enough strength to, you know, th- this is not a man who is at the death's door, right? Um, and in fact, actually, if you look at it historically, crucifixion could last weeks. Sometimes the Romans were nice enough to provide, like, medical help to keep you alive even longer um, because they wanted to make sure everybody knew this was bad. From the point where Christ was crucified to the point where he, where he died was six hours. It's a very short crucifixion as far as they go. Um, I mean, it's six hours of hell is what this was. Um, literally six hours of hell. Um, but in this moment, like, he still has strength, but... He bows his head and he gives up his spirit, meaning they didn't take his life from him, right? And actually, he said that, you know, nobody can take my life from me. And he said that when he was, when he was talking to his trial, right? Nobody's, I lay down my life. You know, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. And this is exactly what John tells us, right? He gave up his spirit, meaning he made the decision. It's done. My work is done. And I can let go now. Nobody else could really do that, right? This is the work of a divine man. It's not a suicide. It's a stepping away. Um, and Jesus, that was the final, the final moment, the final um, punishment that is due to all of us because of sin. The effects of sin are permanent, right? We're all physically going to die. Um, and he physically died, the last moment of punishment of sin. But again, Christ went to sleep, and he came back. The resurrection is, is three days away. The final thing Jesus said on the cross, and I want you to listen to this, this is a big part, right? This is from the book of Luke. Um, Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said that, he breathed his last. Now watch this. When he started, he said, Father, forgive them. So he starts with the Father, and the very last thing he says is, Father, into your hands. Um, Because... Despite the fact that he was separated, you know, like God, the father turns his back on him, right? The son is still in communion with the father. And like as, as this phase ends, he still relies on the father. And he commits his spirit into God's hand, meaning like, like he trusts the father enough that he lets go. Um, and he breathes his last. Um, he's yielding himself to the will of the father throughout. Every part of this process, in fact, is that Jesus in the garden prays, um, God, like, I don't want to drink of this cup, right? Don't make me drink it if I don't have to. But your will, not mine. And so as Christ goes and he does this, as he suffers, as he dies, as he takes God's wrath for our sins on his back, as he experiences spiritual death, and by the way, he experiences a backward thing here, right? We're all born spiritually dead. Um, and then we physically die. Jesus experienced spiritual death, and then he died. Um, and so as Jesus like experiences this, this spiritual death, and now he's stepping away from this world, he's letting go, and he's stepping away, and he's allowing this last moment, and he's going into the grave. Um, he does it by choice, and again, he does it for us. And he does it trusting the Father. And we have this example here. Each of us... Jesus is pretty unequivocal. Like he doesn't mince words, right? Um, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Um, nobody comes to the Father except through me. 
right? Jesus is very um, clear on the fact that we come to the Father through him, that through this suffering and death that we're made acceptable to God. This is the way. This is the truth. And this is the only way to have life, to be spiritually alive. And each of us has to make this decision. Each of us has to live this decision out to commit our, commit our souls to his hand, right? Commit our spirits to his hand. We choose to live and trust and lean on and walk in faith and to become different, like to become like, like Jesus, honestly, because we trust that he's going to provide for us, that he's going to take care of us. And my challenge for you today, like Good Friday is, is, is a hard service, right? It's a dark service. It's a pain and it's suffering it's God's substitution for us so we remember how bad we are and how awesome Jesus was is but if we don't commit our lives into his hands if we don't say this is how I'm going to live and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to walk as though I trust you I'm going to be different if we don't rise from the spiritual death that we live in um much for us we're going to close with with one last song and i'm gonna um i'm gonna stop talking um, but my encouragement for you as we wait for sunday as we wait for the resurrection as we wait for easter um my encouragement my challenge for you is to look into your heart and ask like have i committed my soul into his spirit into his hands like do i trust god with everything or am i still holding on um, it took me years to figure that out i wanted to control people mine but in reality jesus didn't die for us to do our own work his finish means he did everything there's nothing to add let's close in prayer and we'll sing one last song heavenly father we uh we just thank you that we thank you that you took this on for us like like that you you sent your son that that you were willing to to Send him to endure the shame of the cross so that as we're helpless, as we're, we're unable to lift our own hands to, to, to do anything on our own behalf, as we're unable to turn our hearts even toward you on our own, as, as even our best works are a mess, Lord, we thank you that, that you would do the work on our behalf and that you would work it to completion. I pray, Lord, that everybody who's here um, would be in a place where they know you, where they they commit their lives into your hands and they trust you to that degree. Um, and I pray that the resurrection that's coming, um, the resurrection that we experience spiritually and, and one day we'll experience physically, Lord, I pray that, that we would have faith and joy in that and that it would make us new. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Savior, I come and quiet my soul. Remember, redemption is where your blood was spilled for my ransom. And everything I once held dear, I can.
the cross where your love poured out. Bring me to my knees, Lord, I lay me down. Rid me of myself, I belong to Dear. 